Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, where we discuss a variety of topics surrounding the New York Yankees. The goal of the Historic Pinstripe Show is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was around 7 years old. Today's episode will be on the top 5 Yankees pitching legends of all time and why. Um, last week's episode we did on the top five Yankees legends and I didn't really want to include any of the the pitching legends because really like if you think of the top five Yankee legends you think of Yogi Berra, George DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, um, those guys, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig. Um, so I kind of thought I should probably do an episode on top five Yankee pitching legends. So without further ado, let's get on with the first pitcher I wanted to mention, Red Ruffing. Red Ruffing wore number 15 for the Yankees. He was a right-handed pitcher. He was part of a one-two punch with a left-handed pitcher, um, Lefty Gomez. Uh, Red Ruffing's real name was Charles Herbert Ruffing. He was six foot two, 200 pounds, which is pretty big for a guy who pitched during the 1930s, and he started around the 1920s with the Red Sox. Red Ruffing was a hard thrower. He had a moving fastball, um, which um, later became known as the slider. Um, I, so I believe he must have been one of the first guys to really throw it. Um, he also had a sharp breaking curve as well. Um, one of his favorite training, I guess, from what I had read, uh, Red Ruffing loved to run, um, especially in spring training. And he was a great hitter as well and a great fielder too. Um, I guess, which is kind of um, what really surprised me about Red Ruffing, the fact that he was such a great hitter and he had that coal mining accident when he was about 15 years old and um, he lost four toes in in uh in one of his feet i believe it was his landing foot when he when he's pitching when he was pitching um but i'm not positive on that however like i said he started his career with the red sox the red sox ended up trading red roughing similarly to babe ruth um of course not as big of a, a trade but red roughing uh went to, to the red sox the red sox and the yankees gave the red sox cedric durst and fifty thousand dollars uh, Cedric Durst was a career 244 hitter, so the Yankees definitely get the better end of that deal. And of course, the Yankees needed a starting pitcher at this time because they had three starting pitchers who were very good, but Herb Pennock, who was their ace, uh, and White, White Hoyt as well, they they were getting older, so they they um they really needed somebody else. And Urban Shocker had just passed away in 1928 um, at a uh, at a very young age, I believe. Um, so, however, they needed somebody else to come in, and they needed another starting pitcher. And Red Ruffing was already—he had already proven himself as a very good pitcher. So the Yankees ended up getting uh, Red Ruffing, and um, it was that had to be one of the better, best deals in Yankees history, of course, because Red Ruffing is a Hall of Famer. Uh, like I said, he was 15 years old when he had the coal mining accident, um, losing all four of his toes and one of his feet, and he could only pitch after that. That's that's when he basically just became a, a pitcher. Of course, he did have to hit once in a while. And also, I believe Red Ruffing has the most home runs for a pitcher with 36 in his career. Um, and he had 31 home runs with the Yankees. So he, for whatever reason, he hit a lot better with the Yankees than he did with the Red Sox. Um, in, in his Yankee career, he was second in total wins for his career. Um, and he had 231 wins with the Yankees. He was a four-time 20-game winner from 1936 to 1939. 
Joe McCarthy used to like to use him as a pitch hitter, even like on the days he was off. Um, he had over 200 career at bats as a pitch hitter, and he hit 291 in 1932 with five home runs. Um, he was an all-time leader offensively for pitchers, like I said, in home runs. Um, and that's for his career and for his career with the Yankees. He had 36 home runs in his career, 31 with the Yankees, and he had a 269 batting average in his um, in his entire career with the Red Sox and Yankees. And with the Yankees, he had a 270 batting average. Um, he played. He had nine seasons that he had two or more home runs with the New York Yankees. Um, he also had a 300 batting average or better um, eight times in his career. Um, 89 at-bats or more. Seven seasons, he had a 300 batting average or better and 109 at-bats or more. He had 98 doubles in his career and 66 doubles with the Yankees. So, I mean, he was a, a heck of a hitter, um, especially for someone who was just a pitcher. And it kind of shows, like, kind of makes you wonder how good he could have been. He could have been, like, another, possibly another Babe Ruth if um, if he hadn't had that coal mining accident. However, in the postseason, Red Ruffing was just as good. He had a 2.63 ERA in the postseason. He had a 7-2 record, 85 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, he pitched in 10 games. He had a win probability added, which basically just shows you um, how much he's, he really helped the club whenever he pitched. He had a 2.53 win probability added, uh, which is exceptional. Um, he only gave up four home runs in his postseason career in 85 and two-thirds innings, of course, like I mentioned which is kind of reminiscent of Mariano Rivera, who only gave up two home runs in his postseason career. Of course, Red Ruffing didn't pitch as much in the postseason as Mariano did, but um, it was just a different error. However, it's still pretty impressive um, that he only gave up four home runs. Um, Bill Dickey actually once called Red Ruffing the best pitcher he ever caught, and he caught quite a few really good pitchers, Lefty Gomez, of course, and... Um, and Herb Pennock and Red Ruffing, and I'm sure there are quite a few others as well. Um, but Bill Dickey is also a Hall of Fame catcher, so getting a compliment like that from Bill Dickey is, it tells you how good Red, Red Ruffing was on the mound. Um, and Red Ruffing, he he missed two years from the World War II, and he still came back to pitch. He, he obviously became more of a finesse pitcher by the, because when he came back, he was 40 years old already. He pitched to him until he was 42. So he had a phenomenal career. Um, and it just, like I said, it, um, it makes you wonder if he hadn't had that, uh, coal mining accident, how good he would have been like offensively. And, um, if he would have been like another Babe Ruth or, um, but anyways, Red Ruffing is definitely very deserving of being a top five Yankee pitching legend. Um, the next, uh, pitcher I wanted to mention was his counterpart, uh, Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez. Like I said, they were part of a one-two punch. They were both, uh, like one and one A. They were both two aces on the Yankees in the 1930s. Uh, Lefty Gomez, um, he wore number 11 from 1932 to 1942. He also wore number 22 and number 20 for two seasons, uh, I think it was 1930 and 31. But he basically wore number 11 throughout his career. Um, his real name was Vernon Lewis Gomez. And his nickname was Goofy. Um, he was of Hispanic descent. He's actually the second, the se only the second Hall of Famer who was inducted into the Hall of Fame of Hispanic descent. Um, he's from uh, Rodeo, California. Um, so he's, he, I don't, I don't believe he was like, I, I believe his, I was from like, it's from his grandmother or something like that. He wasn't, like, he didn't, he wasn't born in, um, in a Latin country. However, moving on, Lefty Gomez was a hard thrower. He was six foot two. Um, he had a slender frame, kind of like uh, Ron Guidry, 
Um, from what I was reading, Ron Guidry and Lefty Gomez were very similar, uh, had very similar styles of pitching, and also, but mostly in the way they they the way that they looked because they're both very tall and kind of lanky. Um, how, however, uh, Lefty Gomez also had a high leg kick. Um, I guess he also had a license plate on his car that said Goof. Um, probably for his nickname Goofy, of course, but I just thought that was kind of funny. His nickname was given to him uh, from the media, and that that was basically because of the one-liners and the self-deprecating humor that I guess that he had, um, from what I read anyway. And in 1930, I guess he had uh, he was starting he was trying to get better, and um, it was one of his first really first decent seasons. Um, and Dizzy Dean, who won 30 games that year. Um, Dizzy, of course, was his nickname, um, but that's when they got they gave him the, they gave Lefty the nickname Goofy, and I guess a lot of a lot of players would get um, kind of different nicknames like that, and some players like Dizzy Dean was one of them. Dizzy Dean really kind of took to that to that nickname. I guess he he just kind of played around with the media with it, and the Lefty was the same way. So because he he really didn't really care, he just wanted to go out there and pitch, and and he was. He like the self-deprecating humor. He was just, he was, um, he was just very easygoing about it. Um, one quote that shows, um, kind of that that side to him was, "I'd rather be lucky than good." Um, he was also a four-time twenty-game winner, just like Red Ruffing was. Um, uh, he won twenty games in 1932, 1934, 1937, and 1931. Um, so I mean, Lefty Gomez had some very, very good seasons. Uh, he also won the pitching triple crown in 1934 and 1937. In 1934, he had won 26 games, uh, only lost five times. He had a 2.33 ERA. He pitched in 281 and two-thirds innings, um, 158 strikeouts. Of course, that doesn't sound like a lot now, but back then, um, he was considered a strikeout pitcher, I believe. Um, but it's just a different era. Um, his ERA plus or ERA adjusted, which basically 100 is average. Anything over that just is that that shows you how uh, how much better he was than most pitchers. He was 176. He had 25 complete games. 1937, he was 21 and 11, a 2.33 ERA again. He had 278 and a third innings pitched, 194 strikeouts, 193 ERA plus, and he had 25 complete games again that season. Um, and the the way that Lefty Gomez signed with the Yankees was he was signed by the Yankees in 1929 um, from the Pacific Coast League. He played for the San Francisco Seals, which ironically was the same team that Joe DiMaggio would end up playing with in the Pacific Coast League. Of course, Joe DiMaggio was also from California. Um, and he signed with the Yankees for $35,000. Uh, Lefty Gomez had a sidearm delivery. But then he, uh, I guess Joe McCarthy wanted him to start learning to throw straight overhand uh, delivery. And uh, and that's kind of really how, how he started. And in, in all-star games, he actually made five starts. He won three games um, as the starting pitcher. And uh, 1933, he, he pitched three innings. Uh, Babe Ruth actually hit a home run uh, um, to help the American League win that uh, all-star game. Um, and then he pitched six innings in 1935, and then that that one the American League won four to one, and and the the last All Star game that he won 1937, again his Triple Crown year, uh, that that one he only pitched three games, 
and of course you get the win. Lou Gehrig actually won two for four in that game with four RBIs, a double, and a home run in the 1937 All-Star game. Lefty Gomez, he played 14 seasons in his career, 13 seasons with the Yankees, uh, one with the Washington Senators, but he only he only played like a maybe a handful of games, maybe not even that um, that year with Washington. 1930, he was 21 years old. Um, he struggled a lot, learned the curveball, and he learned how to change speeds. And then from there, he really just took off. Like I said, 31, I think it was around 30 or 31 where he got his nickname. Um, like I was mentioning before about uh, Lefty Gomez and Dizzy Dean and just basically about how they, um, how back in those days, the media, they used to like to try to kind of play with the players, especially certain players that were more playful in the media. I just had a little bit more character, I guess. And Lefty kind of had a good humor about it. And he would just he would just kind of play with it and just kind of went with it. From 1931 to 1939, Lefty Gomez pitched at least 188 and two thirds innings or more in his career. Um, in seven of seven of nine of those seasons, um, he had pitched 234 and two thirds innings or more. Um, in his career, he had 189 wins, pretty much all with the Yankees. He had a 3.34 career ERA and an ERA plus in his career of 125 which is very very good that's why obviously he's a hall of famer um he was third in mvp in 1934 the year he won his first pitching triple crown um lou gehrig of course won his triple crown um and he came in fifth place that year in the mvp uh, which is kind of shocking that lou gehrig won the triple crown in 1934 and he was fifth in the mvp um but that's just how things were back then i guess um, however, in the postseason in Lefty Gomez's career, he helped the Yankees win five World Series titles, five pennants. Of course, 1936-39, to 39, they won four in a row. Um, he, Lefty Gomez, um, he won two clinching World Series wins with the Yankees. And one of those um, wins was a complete game in 1937. Uh, and of course, that was to win the World Series that year. He was 6-0 in his postseason career with a 2.86 ERA. And he pitched in 50 in a third innings pitched, four complete games. In his first World Series, Game 2 versus the Cubs, he pitched a complete game. Overall, Lefty Gomez, I, I would say Lefty Gomez was like the first great left-handed pitcher. Lefty Gomez was the first one that really dominated. And um, he, he kind of had a shorter career because I think as he got older, uh, maybe it was because of his size, um, he, as he got older, he he uh, he started to struggle a little bit more, and I think that's why he ended his career earlier. But Lefty Gomez had a great career, um, and uh, he's definitely another guy that I wanted to mention for the top five Yankee pitching legends of all time and why. And the next Yankee pitching legend I wanted to mention was Ron Guidry, otherwise known as Gator. He wore number 49 with the Yankees, played 13 seasons with the Yankees. Um, he was a co-captain with the Yankees. Um, his co- the other co-captain was Willie Randolph. That was around uh, around the early to mid-80s, I guess, after Greg Nettles was captain. Um, Ron Guidry was a third-round draft draft choice for the Yankees, 67th overall pick in the 1971 draft. Um, he had played four seasons in the minor leagues with the Yankees, and briefly in 1975 and 1976, so he didn't. It took Ron Guidry quite a while to earn his way onto the, onto the roster, and to and for for him to be able to prove himself as a as a capable starting pitcher in the major leagues. And I'm sure it was very frustrating for him because there were times where he thought he could get major league hitters out, but um, you know back in those days, Billy Martin didn't really trust 
young pitchers and there's a lot of a lot of veteran managers are like that they don't i mean more nowadays they're more willing to give the young pitchers a chance but back then um it took a lot for the for the young pitchers to make an impression and uh and, and a lot of times they would just want to go with the veteran pitchers but of course ron Guidry ended up uh making his way i think 1976 he really kind of broke through however in 1976 ron Guidry was actually nearly part of a trade um, I guess the Yankees, though, they had too many left-handed pitchers, they thought, in the deal, so they pulled Ron Guidry out, and it was a good thing they did. So, um, of course, Ron Guidry got to stay with the Yankees. 1977 uh, was the year that Ron Guidry was almost traded for Bill Singer, um, who uh, was in, in Toronto. Um, and, of course, the deal, I guess the deal was approved by the Yankees, but it ended up getting vetoed by the Toronto general manager, Peter Bavese. Um So... I mean, of course, that's that's good for the Yankees because that, that very year, 1977, was the first year Ron Guidry really proved himself. He was 26 years old. He started off as a reliever, and then he, then he kind of made his way into the starting rotation. Um, he played 31 games. Um, he had made 25 starts with the Yankees. He had, um, he had nine complete games that year in 1977, five shutouts, 210 and two-thirds innings pitched, and a 2.82 ERA. He was 16 and seven, and then we get to 1978. Of course, 1978 was his be- one of the best years ever for a pitcher, um, and uh, pro- definitely the best year ever for Ron Guidry himself. Uh, he won 25 games. He only lost three times. It actually, uh, I believe it's still the best winning percentage in one single season for a pitcher. Um, he made 35 starts. Had a 1.74 ERA, which was the best ERA for quite some time. Um, uh, he had 16 complete games that year, nine shutouts, which I believe is a record. Um, he had 273 and two-thirds innings pitched, 248 strikeouts, and 72 walks. Um, of course, he won the Cy Young that year. He was second in the MVP to Jim Rice in 1978. Um, also, he was one of just two pitchers to win 22 more games than he lost in 1978. The other one was Denny McLean for the Detroit Tigers back in 1968, I believe. Um, he was 31 and six that year, so uh, the, so he him and him and uh, Denny McLean have the have the best winning percentages for any pitcher for a single season, and his 1.74 ERA in 1978 was the lowest ERA since Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA in 1968. Pedro Martinez in 2000 had a 1.74 ERA as well, um, of course the same exact ERA as Ron Guidry, so. The, the, that shows you how great of a year Ron Guidry had. The fact that only Pedro has had the same ERA as a starting pitcher as Ron Guidry did in 1978. Um, Gator had 13 straight wins in 1978. Um, from June 17, 1978 was, of course, the 18 strikeout game. Um, that's the game where Phil Rizzuto called Ron Guidry Louisiana Lightning. Uh, that game he was against the Angels, the California Angels at that time. Um, and uh, that that was one of the probably the most memorable game um, other than the World Series, of course, that that year in 1978, and and of course the play play in game. Um, also, Ron Guidry had three 21 or more win seasons with the Yankees. He had nine seasons of 192 and a third innings pitched or more. Four seasons of a of 210 and two thirds innings pitched or more. Three seasons of 250 and a third innings pitched or more. He led the major leagues in total wins from 1978 to 1987. He also had five straight Gold Glove awards 
1982 to 1986. Um, he was a very good fielder. Uh, in his career, um, he was third in franchise history in strikeouts, 1,778. He was sixth in shutouts, 26, which is pretty surprising too because um, a lot of pitchers before then had gone had gone deep into games a lot. Um, however, it just tells you how good Ron Guidry was, and the fact that he only he started um, he kind of got his career started later in his career. Um, it, it's like uh, kind of makes you wonder how good he, how much how much better his numbers could be. He probably could even be a Hall of Famer, possibly anyway. Um, of course, you never really know how things will turn out. Um, he was fourth in wins above replacement in his career. Um, in Yankee history, anyway, he was fourth. He had a 47.8 uh, wins above replacement for his career. He was fifth in wins in his Yankees career, 170. Um, he also had a better career ERA than Lefty Gomez. And uh, Ron Guidry's career ERA was 3.29. Lefty Gomez, of course, like I mentioned before, was 3.34. So, uh, and Lefty Gomez is a Hall of Famer. And there are some people who would argue with you that Ron Guidry could also be a Hall of Famer. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of, that stat right there just kind of shows you how good Ron Guidry was. And I think if he had pitched a few more years, he probably, like some of his other numbers, like the wins and all that, would have been better. So he probably could be a Hall of Famer, especially if he had pitched a lot, um, uh, pitched a few more years, um, uh, or a few more years before he had started anyway. Um, but a lot of that was kind of out of his control. Um, however, Ron Guidry, he led the league twice in ERA in 1978 and 1979, just like uh, Lefty Gomez did as well. Um, of course, Ron Guidry did not get a Pitching Triple Crown award like Lefty Gomez. Um, Ron Guidry, um, he also led the league in wins twice, 1978 and 1985, just like Lefty Gomez also did the same thing. And uh, both Lefty Gomez and Ron Guidry, they also led the league in winning percentage as well. So they, Ron Guidry and Lefty Gomez have quite a few um, similarities between them. They are both very dominant pitchers for for a good stretch of time. Um, they are both leaders. Um, uh, uh, of course, Ron Guidry took him a little little while to get going, and maybe that's part of the reason why he didn't really get into the Hall of Fame. Um, however, they were both very very good pitchers, and they are both aces and definitely uh, definitely uh, big time members of of those Yankee teams that they were on. And another top five Yankee pitching legend I wanted to mention was Edward Ford, otherwise known as Whitey. Whitey Ford, um, he he wore number 16 for the Yankees. He was only five foot 10, 178 pounds when he played. Um, he was the ace of the Yankees from 1951 to 1963. Of course, he was known as the chairman of the board, um, and he got that nickname basically because he was, you know, he was the guy. He was the backbone of that the um that Yankee pitching rotation for so many years um and you know Casey Stengel whenever he needed somebody to step up in the rotation he would always choose Whitey um and a lot of times he would he would hold Whitey Ford back like if he knew there was a big game coming up um and Whitey Ford was supposed to pitch like say against the Kansas City uh Kansas City A's at the time and he wanted him to hold him off to face the Red Sox he would do that many many times I believe um of course, Whitey Ford helped the Yankees win six World Series titles, um, and they uh, they won 11 pennants as well. He was born in New York City um, on October 21st, 1928. He was scouted by Paul Critchell, um, who was a Yankee scout, of course. Uh, Paul Critchell, um, he scouted uh, Whitey Ford um, as a teenager, and Whitey Ford 
played first base at the time. Um, and I guess in, it was in a, in a trial in 1946, and that's when uh, Whitey Ford ended up signing a minor league deal. And uh, he signed the minor league deal actually the year after in 1947. Um, but Paul Critchell said he had a natural curveball on his throws from first base, and that's I guess that's basically how Whitey Ford ended up becoming a pitcher and a very, very good one at that. Um, July 1950 was when Whitey Ford made his debut in the major leagues for the New York Yankees, of course. Um, he won his first nine decisions. He went 9-1 with the New York Yankees that year. He had a 2-8-1 ERA. Of course, he was that's, he basically became the ace of the Yankees that year pretty much anyway. Um, so the 1950s and 1960s Yankees, he was basically their their backbone of their rotation. He was their, their guy, and that's why they called him the chairman of the board, like I mentioned. Casey Stengel liked to kind of save Whitey Ford for the biggest for the biggest games and because of that uh, Whitey Ford never started more than 33 games with under Casey Stengel and under Ralph Hook who Ralph Hook became the manager of the Yankees in 1961 Whitey Ford pitched five straight years he threw 36 or more starts for the Yankees um he had yeah, one one year he had 39 starts 37 starts 36 starts so he made quite a few quite a few more starts with the Yankees under Ralph Hook. And uh, he also won the Cy Young his first year with under Ralph Hook, 1961. He was fifth in the MVP that year. Um, he was 32 years old at that time as well, um, which kind of shows you how good Whitey Ford was that someone at 32 years old, he, he and he could make the most starts of his career at that age still. And it kind of makes you wonder how good Whitey Ford could have, could have, how much better his numbers could have been. And in 1961, Whitey Ford had one of his best years. He was 25-4 and four that year with a 3-2-1 ERA, 11 complete games, and he pitched in 283 innings, and he had an 862 winning percentage. Um, also, he had a walks and hits per innings pitch of 1.18, which is very good. Um, usually anything under 1.30 uh, is, is very, very good for uh, walks and hits per innings pitched. And, um, in 1963, he had a 24-7 and record, 774 winning percentage, and a 2.74 ERA. He had pitched in 269 in the third innings that year, and a 1.10 walks per innings pitched. He was third in MVP that year. Um, of course, a lot of times with Whitey Ford, he got overshadowed a lot by guys like Mickey Mano and uh, Yogi Berra and a lot of those guys. But um, Whitey Ford was every bit of, every bit as important as as Mickey Mano, Roger Maris, Yogi Berra, or any of those guys. However, Whitey Ford did miss two years in 1951 and 1952 because of the Korean War, I believe, um, because he had fought in the military. Um, however, he did when he came back, he uh, would join Eddie Lopat, Ali Reynolds, and Vic Rasky. And uh, he was, of, of course, the ace of the staff. Um, they would they would be known as the Big Four. I guess they did call Eddie Lopat, Ali Reynolds, and Vic Rasky the Big Three for quite a while. Of course, when Ford came, they were the Big Four, and Whitey Ford was the ace of the staff for many years. Um, uh, in Whitey Ford's career, he had 156 complete games, um, which was the sixth highest in Yankees history. Um, Red Ruffing has the most complete games in Yankee history, and Lefty Gomez has the second most. Um, uh, 45 shutouts in Whitey Ford's career, um, which is the most all-time shutouts in, in Yankee history. Uh, Whitey Ford also had 236 wins in his Yankees career, which is the most ever for a Yankees career. Red Ruffing is right behind him with 231. 
he also had a 690 winning percentage um, in his in his career, and he had 3,170 innings pitched in his Yankee career, which is the most of any Yankee pitcher of all time. Still, um, he had 1,956 strikeouts in his career, and um, he's I believe he's second only to uh, Andy Pettit, and uh, just the fact that he was still the all-time Yankee strikeout leader for quite some time um, shows you how good he was. Um, he pl- played 16 seasons with the New York Yankees um, from 1915 to 1967. And another thing I didn't realize about Whitey Ford was that he had the second lowest career ERA since 1920, um, to, uh, which was 2.75. Um, and in the postseason, uh, Whitey Ford, of course, he was one of the greatest uh, postseason pitchers of all time. He had a 33 and a third consecutive inning scoreless streak. He actually broke Babe Ruth's previous record of 29 and two-thirds innings. Um, and, uh, of course, Whitey Ford's record would later be broken in 2000 uh, by Mariano Rivera. The record is now at 34. And the record was 33 and a third consecutive scoreless innings by Whitey Ford. But I guess eventually the um, commissioner... I can't remember which one it was, but one of them decided just to make it 33 consecutive innings. However, regardless, Mariano Rivera currently has the record. And another note I did want to mention, too, about Casey Stengel and the 1960 World Series, which basically kind of led to Casey Stengel's firing of the Yankees. I guess Whitey Ford wanted to pitch three games in the 1960 World Series. However, he only got to pitch two games. Um, Of course, that was the World Series that Bill Mazeroski uh, hit the walk-off home run in Game Seven. However, he only pitched two games, and he really felt like if he had, if Casey had, he was trying to push Casey to to let him pitch three games in the World Series, and Casey, for whatever reason, didn't want him to do that. Um, and Whitey Ford, the he didn't even give up one run to the Pirates in that entire series. So I just thought that was kind of in, interesting, to just to kind of see how 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 much Whitey Ford wanted the wanted the baseball in those big moments and that's usually the sign of a of a really clutch player. Of course, in 1961, uh Whitey Ford was the World Series MVP. He pitched 14 innings that year um and didn't give up one run. Uh they played the Cincinnati Reds that year. Um he only gave up 6 hits in 14 innings, one walk and seven strikeouts. And in his career in the postseason, he had um he had a 10 and 8 record. Uh, 2.71 ERA in the postseason, 22 starts, 7 complete games, and 3 shutouts, and he had pitched in 146 innings in the postseason. And, of course, back then, that was only in the World Series. But, of course, the Yankees made the World Series quite a bit um, in those days as well. Um, and he only gave up 8 home runs in the uh, in, in, in World Series games as well. So, my opinion of Whitey Ford, I believe that Whitey Ford really is the greatest Yankees starting pitcher of all time. Um, however, there there are a couple other really good pitchers who are right up there with him, but I still believe that Whitey Ford is like the he, it's going to be very hard to top him. Um, and Whitey Ford was he was definitely a dominant pitcher, and the fact that he always wanted the ball that tells you he was an ace. He was a leader on the staff. So Whitey Ford is definitely a top five Yankee pitching legend. Um, the next guy I wanted to mention was Andy Pettit who wore number 46 for the New York Yankees. He helped the Yankees win five World Series titles, and they also won eight pennants in um, in his time with the Yankees and actually the Houston Astros as well. Of course, all five of his World Series that he won were with the Yankees. Um, uh, Andy Pettit played 18 seasons. He actually played two seasons with the Houston Astros, of course, in 04 and 05. 
Um, Andy Pettit was six foot five, two hundred thirty-five pounds. Um, he was drafted in the twenty-second round in nineteen ninety by the Yankees. Born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he um, was later ended up moving to, of course, Deer Park, Texas. Um, he made his debut with the New York Yankees. Um, was third in Rookie of the Year in nineteen ninety-five. Had a four-one-seven ERA and a twelve-and-nine record. Um, he's the Yankee leader all-time in strikeouts, like I mentioned. 2020 strikeouts in his career, 256 wins um, uh, for his career, and uh, with the Yankees, he's third in wins with 219. Um, which, if if you think about it, if he had if he had played those two years with the Yankees, assuming he was he was healthy, um, he he would have been the all-time Yankee leader in wins and probably a lot of other um, statistical categories as well. Um, uh, also, another thing about Andy Pettit was he, he was great at picking off runners at first base. He was one of the best. He had one of the best pickoff moves in baseball. He had 98 career pickoffs. Um, I wasn't able to find out if he had the most pickoffs in, in uh, Major League Baseball history. Um, however, he was definitely, he had to be right up there among the top, I would imagine. Um, he was third in innings pitched in, uh, in Yankee history um, with 2,796 innings. Um, uh, actually, 2,796 in a third innings pitch. And also in his major league career, he pitched 3,316 innings. Um, he made 438 starts in in New York, and that's tied for the most with Whitey Ford um, in the Yankee history. And he also made 521 career starts in major league history, if you count his years with the Houston Astros. 1996, he was second in the Cy Young voting. And also, Andy Pettit was 21-8 and in 2003 as well. The 402 ERA, and he and he also had um, 33 starts that year with 208 in the third innings pitched. Um, in eight seasons, uh, Andy Pettit had 15 or more wins in his career. And in the postseason, Andy Pettit had a lot of success. He was a he was a, again another clutch pitcher, kind of like Buddy Ford and uh, Ron Guidry, even uh, Lefty Gomez. He was he's very much in line with those guys. Andy Pettit made 44 starts in his postseason career. He had 276 and two-thirds innings pitched in the postseason. Um, he was also 19 and 11 in the postseason, and he had a 3.81 ERA. Um, he was the 2001 ALCS MVP. He pitched 14 and a third innings that that um, that series against Seattle. Uh, he had four runs given up, and he didn't give up one home run um, all series that series as well. Um, also, he won every clinching game in the 2009 um, series as well. Um, of course, you know, Andy Pettit, everyone's pretty familiar with, uh, how, uh, of course he was a ground ball pitcher. He had the, the cutter that was, he was very, he was famous for, um, and I, actually he helped a lot of other pitchers like CC Sabathia learn to throw the cutter as well. I mean, obviously Mariano Rivera, when you think of cutters, you think of Mariano Rivera mostly, but, um, Andy Pettit also had a very good cutter, um, and he was definitely a throwback to like a Whitey Ford, Lefty Gomez, and Ron Guidry, and he was definitely one of the greatest Yankee pitching legends of all time. Um, so the next guy I want to mention was a reliever, actually. Mariano Rivera, of course. He helped the Yankees win five World Series titles, and he helped them win seven pennants. And Mariano Rivera played 19 seasons with the Yankees from 1995 to 2013. He was raised in a uh, fishing village in Panama. Um, the fishing village was Puerto Camito. Um, he signed with the Yankees in 1990, and he mastered the cup fastball 
Um, he was six foot two, 195 pounds. Made his major league debut on May 23rd, 1995. Was a starting pitcher then versus the California Angels. He only pitched three and a third innings, um, eight hits. Uh, I think it was about five strikeouts, three walks, and um, he gave up five runs. Um, of course, he was known as Mo or the Sandman, Super Mariano. Um, but mostly to us Yankee fans anyway, he was known as Mo. And in Mariano Rivera's career, he had a 2.21 ERA. Um, he had 652 saves, of course, the most 952 um, games finished, uh, which is the most of any closer of all time as well. Um, he had 1,263 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, he had a 1.00 walks and hits per innings pitched. Um, he had incredible command of his pitches. Um, his mechanics were always, it was like the exact same. Um, like it never, his mechanics never really changed at all, uh, which was very rare. And um, he was always very in control, like seemingly, like he seemed, it didn't, it seemed like it always took him, a, took a lot to get Mariano Rivera rattled. Um, and he never really ever got rattled that I can never remember. But he was he was always very very cool in the uh, heat of the moment. Um, Mariano also had nine seasons where he pitched at least 61 games in his career, 2003 to 2011. Um, he he actually pitched 74 games in 2004, six seasons of 54 games or more, from 1996 to 2001, 17 of 19 seasons he pitched at least 60 innings or more. And uh, the 60 innings came in 2010. In the postseason, of course, he was one, probably the most dominant pitcher of all time, maybe. Um, he had a 0 0.70 ERA, a 0 0.76 walks and hits per innings pitched. And he threw 141 in innings in the postseason. And he only gave up 11 runs. In 2003, of course, he was the ALCS MVP. Um, probably in large part, of course, to the um, Game 7 when he came in... Um, I think it was 9, 10, and 11 uh, through those three big innings. And, of course, Aaron Boone in the bottom of the 11th with the walk-off home run, and the Yankees made it to the World Series. And he also won the World Series MVP in 1999 against the Atlanta Braves as well. However, in all of those years in the late 1990s, I don't think the Yankees would have done quite as well without Mariano Rivera in the in their back of their bullpen. Um, the fact that they had Mariano Rivera was an, was an incredible weapon that they had that really no other team had. Um, of course, the only two hitters to ever hit home runs off of Mariano Rivera in the playoffs were Sandy Alomar and uh, Jay Payton. Um, of course, Rivera, like I mentioned, he had remarkable consistency throughout his entire career. And, um, of course, he had ice water in his veins. Um, he, and he, he never really, it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like he would ever really get bothered by anything. Um, and, like, even after, even the day after a start, or like even right after the start, like he was always very, very humble. He would always stand at his locker and he would uh, take the questions whenever he failed. And it probably wasn't as much as most relievers, but he he really owned up to everything. Like 2004, um, in the ALCS, of course, he that was definitely one of the one of the lower moments of his career. Um, however, he handled it like a champ the next year, and he he always he like every single year in his career, he had a great year seemingly um i mean i mean that maybe every year wasn't always it wasn't always the same but it was all he always had put up phenomenal numbers every single year um of course 1995 1995 was a little bit different because he started he was a starting pitcher and then 
of course, later in the year he came up as a reliever, and that's where he really started to show the Yankees what he could do. And and uh, and 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 he never really left the bull. He never left the bullpen. And um, so Mariano Rivera, of course, is a Yankee pitching legend. Um, so the next guy I wanted to mention was another reliever, Rich Gossage, otherwise known as the Goose. Um, Goose Gossage helped the Yankees win one World Series title. Um, he pitched 22 seasons in his career. He wore number 54 in his Yankees career. Um, Rich Goose Gossage, uh, he was a ninth-round draft pick by the White Sox in 1970. Um, Gossage was a little bit, he was quite a bit different than, he had a different style than Mariano. He was definitely an intimidator. Um, he 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 also had the uh, the Fu Manchu mustache. So um, it, was, it was, and back in, in uh, the days of Goose Gossage and Raleigh Fingers in those days, things were a lot different in the bullpen. Um, Goose Gossage, Raleigh Fingers, um, Bruce Suter, Lee Smith, those guys were like the first of the elite closers in the game. But it was still a lot different closing games because the closer would come in in like the seventh inning, sometimes maybe the sixth. But usually, like the seventh inning, they'd go seven, eight, and nine. So they kind of kind of virtually be their own setup man. Um, however, Rich Gossage started his career as a starting pitcher, and he he was actually I think he had one year where he was actually a pretty darn good starting pitcher. Um, another thing I did uh, see about Rich Gossage was that I guess he admitted that the Fu Manchu mustache that he had was um i guess that was uh originally to piss off george steinbrenner um so i just kind of found that was an interesting note um in his yankee career he uh pitched seven seasons with the new york yankees he was 42 and 28 with the yankees which is a 600 winning percentage he had a 2.14 era in his yankees career which is actually lower than mariano rivera's era of course mariano rivera played i think 19 seasons in his career um, and it, it, uh, Mariano's was 2.21, I believe, in his career. Um, so it wasn't a lot lower, but it's still a little bit lower. Uh, moving on, Guscacha pitched over 319 games with the Yankees. He had 151 saves. Um, he had 533 innings pitched with the Yankees. He only gave up 31 home runs in, in his career with the Yanks. And he had a 179 ERA plus with the New York Yankees as well. Um, and... Uh, also, uh, he also had two years where he had a 30 or more saves. Um, and, uh, of course, back in those days, that was not as common. Um, usually uh, usually a lot a lot of closers had, like, 20-plus saves. And if you had, like, 30 or more saves, you were an elite closer. Um, of course, like I mentioned before, Goose Gossett started as a starting pitcher. 1976, he made 29 starts with the White Sox, had 224 innings pitched, a 3.94 ERA. Um, he was 9 and 14. The White Sox were a last place team that year, um, and uh, uh, so he had a pretty darn good year as a starting pitcher. Definitely not what well, not the numbers that you are accustomed to were accustomed to seeing him become uh, when he was a reliever. Um, so he ended up getting traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1977. Um, and actually, in 19, and he ended up pitching as a reliever from 1977. On until 1994, um, so the, he pitched a long time in his career. 1975, the year before 1976, he was a reliever. Um, he had four seasons where he pitched um, over 102 innings or more, and um, he also had his his last it, it, the last year that he uh, pitched a, 
uh, pitched over 100 innings, was 1984 with the San Diego Padres. He was 32 years old. He was he had a 10 and 6 record with a 2.90 ERA, 25 saves, and 124 ERA plus. Um, the most games he ever pitched was in 1977 with the Pirates. Uh, pitched 72 games for them as a reliever. Um, he had eight seasons in his career with 50 games or more pitched. And he actually had three of five seasons that he pitched at least 93 innings or more. He had 141 and two-thirds innings, um, which was his highest as a reliever. And that was in 1975. He was 9-8 and that year. Had a 1.84 ERA, 62 games pitched, 26 saves. Um, he led the league. 99 hits allowed, 130 strikeouts. And the year he came to New York, 1978. That's the year the Yankees signed him. Um, that was one of his best years he ever had. Um, of course, I believe it took him some quite some time to get going. I th- the whole first half, he really kind of struggled a little bit. But in the second half, he was basically unhittable. Um, and 1980 was also another one of his best years. But 1978, anyway, Gouskosic had a 2.01 ERA, 63 games, 27 saves, led the league, 134 and a third innings pitched that year. He was also the roll-age relief pitcher of the year that year as well. Um, and just the fact that he had such a low ERA and the fact that he struggled early on showed you how dominant he must have been in the second half of 1978 and um, then really helped the Yankees obviously win the World Series going winning back-to-back um, 1977 and 1978. 1980, like I said, was another one of Goose Gossage's greatest seasons. Um, he was 6-2 that year with a 2.27 ERA, pitched in 64 games, had 33 saves, uh, led the league in saves that year, 99 innings pitched in 1980, 103 strikeouts, so more strikeouts than innings. Um, he was third in MVP, George Brett, Reggie Jackson, and then Goose Gossage. Reggie Jackson also had one of his best years as well that year. Um, George Brett won the MVP. Uh, and uh, I guess he, um, Goose Gossage was also third in the Cy Young that year. Um, the only two guys that were above him were Steve Stone with Baltimore and Mike Norris with Oakland. And you could make the case that, that Goose Gossage could have won the um, Cy Young that year as well. But um, the other two guys were starting pitchers, and Steve Stone had 25 wins, Mike Norris had 22 wins, and uh, Mike Norris had a very good ERA, but he didn't win. It was Steve Stone. However, um, that was it was still a great year that Goose had. Um, and, of course, Goose Gossett is a Hall of Famer. Uh, but, the, uh, again, like I said, this was a def- very different um, day and age for closers, um, and you got to work a lot harder to get the saves. And in the postseason, he helped the Yankees win one World Series titles. He actually helped the Padres as well to the World Series in 1984. Of course, they lost that World Series to the Tigers. Um, Goose Gossage in his career in the postseason, he had a 2-1 and record with a 2.81 ERA. He had pitched 19 games. He had finished 17 games. Um, so those are just games that he didn't, he didn't get a chance to get the save. But he still finished the game, so if it was like a nine to one game, and he came in and he just finished, the, uh, kind of closed out the game. Um, a lot of times you don't get the save unless it's a, if it's only a save situation. If it's like three runs or less, uh, three runs or less, it's a save situation. Or uh, I might be four now. I'm not sure, but I think it's just three or less. Um, however, and it's changed throughout the years as well. Um, however, he he's uh, he. However, he he was uh, definitely one of the best at. Um, just getting the last three outs or the last, really the last nine outs um, in his day. So it wasn't just the last three outs. Um, 
So, anyways, 1978 in the World Series is probably uh, one of his best seasons in the postseason, um, along with 1981. Of course, he had he was phenomenal. Um, but 1978, first uh, in the World Series, he uh, pitched in three games, um, pitched six innings, one hit, no runs, one uh, one walk, four strikeouts, and had a .33 walks and hits per innings pitched. 1981 in the entire postseason. Um, uh, against the Brewers, the Oakland A's, and then the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. He played eight games um, throughout that postseason, 14 and a third innings pitched, six hits, four walks, 15 strikeouts, and he um, he did hit one batter. Um, he, only, he only had two batters in his postseason career. Um, he had six saves and eight games finished um, in 1981 in the postseason, and he didn't give up one run. And that's in about uh, 14 and a third innings, like I had mentioned. So uh, Goose Gossett is definitely a Yankee pitching legend and definitely worthy of being on this list. Um, and another Yankee reliever that I wanted to mention to be included possibly on this list is Sparky Lyle. Sparky Lyle is a guy that kind of gets forgotten about because of Mariano Rivera and Goose Gossett, and rightfully so because those guys were great. But Sparky Lyle was one of the first really great relievers for the Yankees. I mean, they did have um, some other guys like, uh, I believe Wade Hoyt might have been a reliever for a little while toward the end of his career with the Yankees, but um, Louis Arroyo um, had some decent, well, he had one really good year, um, but Sparky Lyle was the first one that really, I mean, he was a Cy Young winner in 1977, but then they ended up signing Goose Gossage in 1978, and like the famous line from Greg Nettles, um, uh, Sparky went from Cy Young to Cyanor. Um, and uh, however, it didn't make the Yankees probably. I would imagine it must have made them better because Sparky kind of became a setup man. But um, at the at the same time too, in those days, like I mentioned, they didn't really have setup men because the closer was the setup man. So it was kind of a lot of a job. However, Sparky Lyle was a very good pitcher. He helped the Yankees win one World Series title in 1977. Um, he. Uh, he was a left-handed pitcher. He was six foot one, 182 pounds in his in his time with the Yankees. Um, his real name was Albert Walter Lyle. Um, he actually was the former manager of the Somerset Patriots in uh, New Jersey Independent Baseball League. He was always a reliever with the Yankees. Um, he was a starting pitcher with the Red Sox. Um, however, he, uh, for the Yankees, he played seven seasons, uh, 1972 to 1978. Uh, five of those seasons he pitched at least 103 and two-thirds innings pitched or more and um he he also i guess one year he had 82 and a third innings pitched um his best season was of course like i said his cy young season in 1977 then that season he was 13 and 5 2.17 era 183 era plus which is which is very very good um he was obviously one of the best pitchers in all of baseball of course he was a Cy Young winner so you could say he was the best pitcher in baseball um he pitched in 72 games he had 60 games finished that year 26 saves 137 innings pitched 131 hits so under a hit in an inning um he had uh, he had given up just seven home runs that year in a 1.20 walks and hits per innings pitched um so Sparky Lyle is definitely uh, one of the best Yankee relief pitchers of all time. His first season with the New York Yankees was 1972. He was 9-5 with a 1.92 ERA, had a 154 ERA plus, 59 games, 56 games finished, and led the league in saves with 35. Um, of course, that was a phenomenal year. I believe that that 
the 1.92 ERA, that's lower than any any year than Goose had. Um, however, Goose and Sparky were different. I th- believe there are different types of pitchers. I don't think I, I Sparky had that that slider. Actually, I, I believe Sparky Lyle really was uh, beneficial for Ron Guidry as well, because a lot of these pitchers, they their careers, especially the ones that their careers kind of their cross paths with, um, they they kind of they kind of helped each other out. Uh, but Sparky Lyle, he kind of helped out Gator with Gator Slider, and um, and he really it really helped Gator, of course, um, become a phenomenal starting pitcher. Um, but moving on with Sparky Lyle, uh, Sparky Lyle, 1974, he had another very good year. He was nine and three with a 1.66 ERA and a 215 ERA plus. So of course he was definitely one of the elite um, relief pitchers that year as well, uh, pitching 66 games. Um, and he had 59 games finished that year, only 15 saves. Um, of course, in 1972 to 74, the Yankees weren't that great. Um, they're 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 starting. I guess they they really hadn't gotten that much better yet. Um, he pitched over 100, 100 innings. Um, he actually pitched 114 innings that year. He had just given up 93 hits and 114 innings. He had six home runs allowed all year as well. Um, and in his Yankees career, he had a 2.41 ERA. That's in seven seasons. He also had a 2.88 ERA in his 16 seasons in the major leagues. He had 238 saves in the major leagues in his career and 128 ERA plus in his entire career, which is very, very good. Um, but his, in his Yankees career, he had 141 saves and he had a 148 ERA plus. So he was even better with the Yankees than he was with any other team. Of course, he probably had his best years with the Yankees. Um, but he's another guy I didn't really want to leave him off because Sparky Lyle, when you think of great Yankee relievers, he's definitely one of the first guys you think of, um, along with Mariano Rivera and Goose Gottschalk. So those are some of the pitching legends that I just wanted to mention in Yankees history. So now I just want to rank the top five pitching legends in Yankees history, in my opinion. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention that uh, Historic Pinstripes is now a proud member of the 4041 Media family um, with other podcasts such as Psych Your Crime, Movie Theater Time Machine, Free Your Geek, Honest Fitness Talk with your trainer Nick, and of course the Historic Pinstripes show. And you can feel free to find more information on the 4041 Media website at www.4041media.com. That's www.4041media.com. Dot com. And now it's time to rank the top five Yankee pitching legends in Yankees history. The first guy I want to mention, of course, is Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford, in my opinion, is the greatest Yankee pitcher of all time. Um, Mariano Rivera is my second choice. Uh, Ron Guidry, otherwise known as Gator, is number three. Red Ruffing, I picked number four. And Lefty Gomez, number five. Now, these lists, again, like I mentioned, they're, they're all subjective. This is just my... Um, this is just my uh, my particular top five. Um, I I think Whitey Ford is the best pitcher the Yankees have ever had. Um, so and I feel like the the two best in Yankee history, best starter in the Yankees the Yankees have ever had is Whitey Ford. The best reliever is Mariano Rivera. So and I feel like the starting pitching is is if you don't have a like you need at least one really good starting pitcher or really probably nowadays even like two or three really good starting pitchers. But if you have one really dominant starting pitcher, like even a Garrett Cole today or a CeCe Zabathia, Whitey Ford, of course, back in the 1950s and 60s. Um, 
So definitely, Whitey Ford is the greatest pitching legend of Yankees history. Then Mariano. You could probably make a case for Mariano being number one, but I kind of, uh, you know, I just kind of lean toward Whitey Ford just because he was a starting pitcher. And it's just, to me, I feel like if you can, putting up the numbers that he did, I mean, of course, there were some rumors that maybe he had, I guess he used to, uh, when he got, well, I think there was, when, he, when Whitey Ford was older, he used to uh, kind of scuff up the ball a little bit. But that was more when he was getting older, I believe. However, still, just to be able to get big league hitters out. Um, and, uh, you know, Whitey Ford is definitely definitely a uh, the, the best Yankee pitcher in history. Ron Guidry, I decided to go with him over, over Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez, which um, was kind of a tough decision because Red Ruffing, um, I didn't realize how great he was. Of course, he pitched a long time ago. The fact that Ron Guidry didn't really, um, he didn't really get going until later in his career, it kind of makes me wonder how, how if he would have gotten, would have been even better if he had started, um, if he had started earlier in his career. I mean, when his first, his breakout year, he was 26 years old. Um, so, I mean, uh, I, I and, and just the fact that Ron Guidry, like, he was dominant for a very, for, for a good length of time from like 1978 to 1987 or so, or even maybe 1977 to 87, Ron Guidry was one of the best pitchers in the game. And I think that kind of accounts for something too. And, you know, he was, he was definitely the ace of the Yankees as well. Um, Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez, they were one and two, but they were both aces as well. Um, I just decided to go with Red Ruffing and then Lefty Gomez. I feel like Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez, you can kind of go either way with any all three of those guys, Gator, Red Ruffing, and Lefty Gomez. And um, another thing I really, really kind of found interesting was the similarities between uh, Ron Guidry and Lefty Gomez. The fact that they're both very kind of tall guys. Um, I believe Lefty Gomez might have been a little bit taller because I think um, I don't think Gator was six foot two, but I could be wrong. But regardless, though, they they seem to be um, very had some very similar career paths. Um, they both played about fourteen seasons in their career. Um, so it's just kind of interesting, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, but I, I'm going with Whitey Ford, Mariano Rivera, Ron Guidry, Red Ruffing, and then Lefty Gomez. Honorable mention to Andy Pettit, Sparky Lyle, and Goose Gossage. Goose Gossage is the guy that I, I kind of wanted to put on the list, but I feel like the top five are definitely Ford, Rivera, Gator, Ruffing, and Gomez. And the reason why I wanted to put relievers with starting pitchers was because I feel like when you're talking about Yankee pitching legends, you've got to include the relievers and the pitchers, and it makes it a little bit harder because it's hard to to kind of judge the how much how great a reliever is and how great a starting is and who's better. So that's what makes it really kind of hard. But it's just kind of fun, I feel, to to do this. And again, feel free to share your own top five Yankees pitching legends at Historic NYY on Twitter or feel free to email us at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. And once again, as always, go Yankees. (laughs) 